Psalm 23, if you have a copy of God's Word this morning. Psalm chapter 23, we're going to be here a couple more weeks. My name is Aaron, I serve as the teaching pastor here. And uh, let's praise Jesus for a second. We finally have carpet in this room, which is awesome. And yeah, snap, weird people snap, I guess, I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> I love Jameson. Um, yeah, so if you, what you smell is glue um, and a little bit of, of stain and things like that. So uh, if you feel like moved by the Spirit today, uh, please be sure that's actually the Spirit, not just you're high on carpet glue, all right? So uh, we, we actually do not endorse that at this church, so please be careful. Uh, but yeah, we're making progress, working the bugs out. Pastor Joe and his crew yesterday got all of these things installed. We're praying that uh, this week we get carpet on the kids' ministry side so we can start actually fully using that space to its capacity. And so we're making progress. It's just a uh, very slow and tedious journey. So, But we are getting there. Psalm 23, if you will stand with me in honor of reading God's Word. As we say every week, one of our values is that we're for the gospel, which means we elevate this book because we believe it is from God. Psalm chapter 23. And I also do want to say this too. You'll notice uh, this light doesn't exist, and this light decided two days ago that it didn't want to work anymore. Um, so I will now preach as a Smurf this morning uh, with all of the blue. So we apologize for that. Those, again, um, at our core and at our heart forever, we will be a church plant. So this is just part of who we are. These are just normal things for us, all right? Psalm chapter 23. We're going to start the end of verse 2 and read the beginning of verse 3. God's word says this through David. It says that he leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. Let's pray. Jesus, again, thank you for this morning, God, for the opportunity and privilege that we have to gather in your house to hear your word, God, and encounter you through your spirit. Jesus, I pray now as we look at what is maybe a familiar passage, Lord, that you would enlighten our hearts, teach us your word, God, so that we can walk closer to Jesus today. Give us the ears we need to hear, the hearts we need to receive your word, and the hands and feet to live these things out as we press in and pursue Jesus day by day. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So traditionally in a message, I would traditionally start it with some sort of question maybe for us to ponder for just a minute that would set the stage for where we were going. Sometimes I might start with a funny story. I want to say thank you for those of you that laugh at my jokes. I try to be a little bit funny and I know that I'm not, but you love me enough to laugh when you probably shouldn't. But rather than start there, I really want us to just lay out a truth that is going to serve as the platform or the springboard for where we're going to go today in these two verses in the book of Psalm 23. And the truth is simply this, that you were created to be with Jesus. I've been chewing on that for the past week. The simple reality of that truth, that you and I were created to be with Jesus. And you know, the truth behind that statement is, is that is a statement and a truth that many people are seeking to find in our world, yet often they miss it. Many people are seeking to know the truth and the reality behind the statement that we were created to be with Jesus, but we miss it because often we seek fulfillment, satisfaction, meaning, purpose, life, fill in the blank, whatever it is, and so many other things, and we miss the simple truth that we were created to be with Jesus. 
For the first almost 16 years of my life, I did not realize that that statement was true. It was an intellectual statement that I understood up here in my head, but that truth never made it the 18 inches down to my heart. And there's a big difference. You see, I can know that I was created to be with Jesus, but if that does not get into my heart, it doesn't matter that I was created to be with Jesus. I thought maybe I was simply just created to have a good career. I thought I was created to uh, raise a family. I thought I was created to create a good life, to enjoy relationship with other human beings, to, to do this, to do that, fill in the blank. We pursue so many other things for fulfillment, satisfaction, joy, happiness, all of these things. And we miss the simple truth that we were created to be with Jesus. I am so grateful that in my life in 2003 that Jesus intersected my path and that statement that I knew as true became true for me. When Jesus became my personal Savior and I began to follow Him. And the truth is, most people, maybe we don't either, we don't know that that is true or the sad reality is, and I want us to see this in Psalm 23, that as Christians we don't live that as it's true. That for some of us, maybe Jesus has made his way into your life and into your heart and you've, you've turned yourself over to him. But in the actual day-by-day -day grind of life, you don't actually live like you were really created to enjoy and be fulfilled and satisfied in a relationship with the God of the universe. We still pursue so many other things when we were actually created to be with Jesus. How does that relate to Psalm 23, verses 2 and 3? If you remember from our last two weeks here in Psalm 23, we've said that this uh, chapter in the book of Psalm is written from a sheep's perspective as he's viewing his shepherd. From a sheep's perspective, looking towards his shepherd, sometimes writing to the shepherd, sometimes writing about the shepherd, but this passage is from the role of a sheep. And we've learned these past couple weeks that the role of a good shepherd is provision, its protection and its direction for the sheep. That's what a shepherd does. And since our God, since Jesus is a good shepherd, John 10 verse 11 tells us that truth, that we know that this relationship between a sheep and a shepherd that David's describing can also be transferred over to the relationship between a child of God and God himself. So let's talk about sheep for a moment. Last week we said sheep are skittish, they're scared, and they're stupid. And guess what? This week does not change. All right? Sheep are just, they're dumb creatures, and that is significant because if we don't understand that sheep are dumb, Psalm 23 is really not going to make a lot of sense for us today. But look at these verses here, and I want us to start here at the end of verse 2. David emphasizes water. Why is that significant for us today? Well, here's something. This is simple truth, uh, but this, again, helps us understand Psalm 23, verses 2 and 3. That just like you and I, a sheep is composed of approximately 60 to 70% of water. All right? If you didn't know that about yourself, congratulations, you're made of, of water. All right? So that holiday weight you're trying to, to get off, it's probably just a little bit of extra water. You're fine. Don't worry about it. All right? We're all made of about 60 to 70% water, and sheep are no different. Thus, just like you and me, water is necessary for survival. Don't drink water for two weeks. See what happens. You're going to die. Okay, don't do it. Please don't. All right? We're going to die if that happens. You need water to survive, and a sheep is no different. But due to the nature of sheep, and you can look this up, friends. I'm not making it up. Because they are not the most intelligent of creatures. 
A sheep needs the accompaniment and the guidance of a shepherd to actually find the water that they need to survive. Because the truth is, because sheep are not that brilliant, they will literally drink anything. Because they don't understand the difference between something that is pure, clean water that they need to survive for the benefit of their health and that which is something dirty or with parasites in it or something that they shouldn't drink. So they need the guiding nature of a shepherd to lead them to the water that their body so desperately needs. Because left to their own decision, a sheep will usually drink something that will result in disaster. And obviously, that's not what the Lord, what the Lord has for that sheep. So with that understanding, let's walk through Psalm 23, verses 2 and 3 as we seek to understand what the Lord wants to teach us today in this. But first, let's talk about the right supply. Let's talk about the right supply that God provides here. Look at verse 2 with me again. I want to read this for us. It says, He, that is the shepherd, leads me, that is the sheep. Remember, there's this parallel thing going on here. He leads me beside quiet waters. Traditionally, a shepherd would lead his sheep to, to one of three places to find the, this good, clean, still water that they need. It was either going to be a still stream, it's going to be a cavern that the shepherd dug out so his sheep could actually get down into it to drink of the water. Or if neither one of those things is present, early in the morning, the shepherd will take his sheep out to graze in a pasture while there's still dew on the grass so that they can get the water that their bodies need. That's typically one of the three places a shepherd would take. But, but why those specifically? Well, David tells us right here, it's because they're quiet. They're still. They're peaceful. Sheep being skittish animals, if it was a rushing stream, they're not going to go near it. They're going to be afraid and terrified. They need to be someplace still and peaceful because they're easily frightened animals. It's this imagery of the shepherd providing that care, guidance, and direction that we talked about a moment ago to take that sheep to the place that they desperately need to be filled and refreshed. A place on their own that they would not go. So what's the picture that David's painting for us as children of God, this parallel picture for us. Friends, it's this spiritual picture, and this is really the, the emphasis of today, of our desperate need for the presence of Jesus in our lives. We were created to be with Him. And as children of God, here's what happens. We should be led by the Spirit of God. There's our shepherd. Led by the Spirit of God. John 16, verse 13 talks about that. We're led by the Spirit of God to the waters that are found in the Word of God, where we then encounter the Son of God who refreshes us. I know that sounds like ultra-spiritual and there's a lot to chew on there, but it's true. We're led by the Spirit of God to the Word of God where we encounter the Son of God who then refreshes us just like this sheep in Psalm 23, verse 2. Because that longing that you and I have in our souls for life, meaning, purpose, fulfillment, satisfaction, fill in the blank, do you know that the only thing that will fill that for us and provide us the satisfaction that we need is Jesus Christ and Him alone? And you know where Jesus is found? He's found in the Word of God, John 1.1 says. That's where we run to. Let me give us a few examples of this to make sure that we're, we're all on the same page. Turn with me to John chapter 4. It'll be on the screen as well if, if you need to utilize that. John chapter 4, the fourth gospel written by the Apostle John. If you didn't know this, a little fun fact for you. The Apostle John was the oldest uh, disciple to, to live. Right? He didn't die till he was 94 years old, but he was also the youngest disciple recruited by Jesus as well. Kind of a neat little thing for you if you want to wear that. 
But in John chapter 4, the Bible says that Jesus is on this journey to Galilee. And on, on this journey, he goes through Samaria, through a region called Sychar. It's the middle of the day, John 4 says, roughly noon. Jesus is tired from this long journey, so he stops at a well to get a drink of water. And verse 7 in John chapter 4, let me read this to you. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Pause. A couple things that I want us to note here. First off, Jesus was not being rude, all right? Sometimes we read that, and Jesus' lady rolls up, she's like, give me a drink, right? So, let me just tell you something. In my house, that wouldn't fly, okay? And I know that wouldn't fly in your house. If I look at my wife and say, baby, get me a drink, she's going to get your own drink, and you're sleeping on the couch tonight, all right? Jesus is not being rude here. Um, this is a little bit cultural, a little bit translation at the same time, all right? So don't read that into here going, Jesus is a jerk. Stop it, all right? He's cool. It's not, everything's good, all right? First off, he wasn't being rude. Secondly, here's what's important too. This lady is likely a prostitute or some promiscuous woman in some capacity. And here's why we know this. First off, if you jump down to verse 18, we see that Jesus calls her out for this, which is important, right? She had several um, men that she was engaged in relations with. But secondly, she comes to the well at noon. That's important. Because most of the time in this culture, if they were going to get the water that they needed for the day, they would go early in the morning before the sun had risen so they could come in the cool of the day. That's when all the ladies would go to the well. That was important. But this lady, likely being some sort of prostitute involved in some sort of promiscuity, she couldn't associate with those women because they would have looked down upon her, said probably cruel things to her. So when does she come? She comes at the time where nobody else would be at the well except for the person that she actually needed to meet, and that is Jesus. Then look at verse 13 and 14. Long story short, this lady begins to draw water. Jesus tells her, this water is not going to fill you. You need living water. Verses 13 and 14, watch this. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water, talking about the water she's pulling up in the bucket, is going to be thirsty again. It's temporary. It only provides temporary satisfaction. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will what? Never thirst. Why? Because that thirst and the void that we have in the human soul for life, meaning, purpose, satisfaction, fill in the blank, is only found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything else is temporary. John chapter 7. Turn there with me. A couple pages over. John chapter 7, verse 37. Jesus says this on the uh, day of a festival. Look what it says. On the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out. Here it is. If anybody's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Why? Because the meaning, purpose, satisfaction, life, fill in the blank that we so desperately seek is found where? It's only found in Jesus. And we come to him for that satisfaction. The right supply of spiritual water that we need, friends, is found in our shepherd that is Jesus. Let's talk about the wrong supply for a second. I was created to be with Jesus, but there's a wrong supply that I can go after as well. I'll tell you a little story. I, on my second uh, trip to Africa, I went with several people who had never been to the country before. It's hilarious. If you ever get the opportunity to do that, you need to, to do that at some point in time. And in the midst of all of these long lists of do's and don'ts that they give you when you travel to a foreign country, one of the main ones for Africa is simply this. Do not drink the water. Oh, not only that, don't even like use the water in general. I remember one morning that I was there, I'd only two or three days in, and I was so tired, so exhausted that I wasn't thinking, and I went into the restroom to brush my teeth, and I ran my toothbrush under the sink and began to brush, and it was like, I was like, oh no. 
And I just hit my knees and started praying. Like I used the toilet as an altar. And I was like, Jesus, please, 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 please forgive me for that because I'm going to die. But anyways, I had a friend on that trip. I'm not positive if he just totally disregarded the instruction or if he just chose like, not to listen to the instruction. Understand there's a difference there. We're going to talk about that in a second. But he just chose, you know what, I know better than the people who have been here before that are trying to provide me the guidance on what I should and should not do. I'm going to drink the water anyway because I'm tough, macho, and can do what I want. So, uh, this is kind of funny, too. He's actually a pastor now, so goofball. Anyways, this gentleman, I'm not even kidding with you, that morning he took his water bottle and he filled up a whole liter water bottle from the sink of that African hotel. And friends, without getting into detail, because this is church, he became well acquainted with African plumbing later that afternoon. Why is that important? Because if we drink from the wrong supply of water, there are dire consequences that we have to face. And the sheep is no different here in Psalm chapter 23. The sheep depends on the water for survival. But if they're not guided by a shepherd to the right supply of water, what will they do? They'll drink anything. They will drink anything and everything if the shepherd doesn't lead them to the right spot. I actually was reading one shepherd this week where he talked about when he would lead his sheep down to the stream where they could go and drink. And he said he would always have to watch because sometimes the sheep would get distracted and not keep their attention on the shepherd like we talked about last week. And what they would actually do, knowing that the shepherd is leading them to water, they would actually look for puddles on the side of the road to drink from rather than wait and go and get water from that stream they were being led to. And as you can guess, in many of these places, what is a breeding ground in a puddle? You're going to find parasites and bacteria and all of these nasty things that these sheep will drink. And guess what? It doesn't end well. Listen, do we see ourselves here? My goodness. Do you see yourself here in this whole idea and picture that David is painting for us? We'll understand in a second in verse 3 why we're going this direction. But look at what Paul says in Romans 7.15. Friends, this is going to be like looking in a mirror. Watch this. For I do not understand what I'm doing because I don't practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Anybody else? I, I want to do the right things, but how often do I do the wrong things? And then I look back and go, what is wrong with me? I know what's right. I know what I'm supposed to do. What am I doing? Anybody else? Man, that's me in the last, that's me this morning, daggone it. That's me yesterday. That's me this past week doing what I not doing what I know I should should actually be doing. Knowing that fulfillment, satisfaction, meaning, purpose in life are found in a relationship with Jesus, but choosing those puddles on the side of the road in the journey rather than Jesus himself. Anybody else with me there? Friends, here's a little theological thing for us, a little important theology. We don't do a ton of this from, from the platform, but just so we're clear here. In Romans 7.15, Paul's actually talking about a sin of omission. That's in Scripture, you can see this over and over. It means choosing not to do what is right. There's different kinds of sins that we can engage in. This is choosing not to do what is right. It's knowing what is right to do, but instead you and I put up a blatant wall. We throw up the concrete and we say, nope, not going to do that. Man, I know I'm guilty. Just like that sheep choosing to drink from the puddle on the side of the road, bringing harm to myself rather than following my shepherd. Here's the second one. Jump down four verses. Romans 7, 19, Paul says this, for, for I do not do the good that I want to do, 
But instead, I practice the evil that I do not want to do. We're going to take a poll right now. Everybody in here, if that's you, raise your hand. Please don't raise your hand. All right, We're going to judge you if you do that. All right, Don't do that. I'll be the only one to do it. But again, a little important theology. We said verse 15 was the sin of, of uh, omission. This one is the sin of commission. All right, this is a little theology tidbit for you if you like to, that kind of stuff. That means that I'm just choosing to do wrong. I'm just choosing to do wrong. Don't even know what right is. I'm just choosing to do wrong, straight up disobedience, not listening to the shepherd, just doing my own thing. And friends, listen. When we choose to drink from the wrong supply of water to find fulfillment, satisfaction, purpose, meaning, and life, running away from our shepherd, it will always leave us in two categories, wounded and wandering, every time. Wounded and wandering, every single time. When we choose to run from Jesus, even though we are his sheep, it will always leave us wounded and wandering. And then here's the kicker. You'll also leave a wake of destruction in your path. You know that sick sheep? He has to be tended to by the shepherd. So the shepherd actually is focusing his attention on that one sheep for that that moment in time. You know that affects the other sheep as well. Sometimes we forget that our sin does not only affect us, but we leave a wake of destruction behind us too. It affects other people as well. We have to be so cautious with how we live. Because sin will always leave us wounded, and it will leave us wandering. But watch this. It leads us to verse 3. This is my favorite. Our shepherd doesn't leave us that way. Do you hear that truth? We may be wounded, we may be wandering, but our shepherd does not leave us that way. Verse 3, let's talk about restoration. You see, because a good shepherd does not leave his sheep wandering and wounded. Instead, a good shepherd goes after his sheep and restores the sheep back to health in the presence of the shepherd. Luke 15, the parable or story of the lost sheep. Maybe you've heard this before. Luke 15, verse 4, it'll be on our screen, says this. Jesus is telling a story. He says, what man among you who has 100 sheep, we've taught this passage before, and he loses one of them, does he not leave the 99 in the open field? There's the the wake, you see it? He leaves the 99 in the open field, and what's he do? He goes after the lost one because it's important to him. He's going to chase it down. What does a good shepherd do? A wandering sheep, a lost sheep, he chases it down. The word lost there actually means a perishing sheep. One that's sick. One that's headed for destruction. One that's left to the presence of the shepherd to do his own thing. Verse 5, shepherd goes after him, and what happens? When he's found that sheep, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. Why? Friends, this is so important. I want us to see this. I never really noticed this until this week. That shepherd goes out on that journey to find that sheep that's wandered off, maybe that sheep that's sick, whatever it is. And he takes that sheep, hoists him up. Sheep's probably 70, 80, 90 pounds maybe. He hoists that sheep up and he throws him over top of his shoulders. The Bible says in the rest of Luke 15 that then that shepherd joyfully journeys home. Now watch this. This is so significant. You notice that the shepherd doesn't make the sheep walk. That's not what happens. The shepherd does not drag the sheep behind him, disgruntled and saying, come on, idiot, let's go home. That's not what happens. The shepherd doesn't even take the sheep and just throw him under one arm uncomfortably and carry that sheep home. That's not what happens. The shepherd takes that sheep and he puts him on top of his shoulders. What's the picture for us here? Friends, see this. 
It's the shepherd bearing the weight of the decisions that the sheep made. Do you see that? The sheep doesn't bear the weight of that decision anymore. The Bible says cast your cares on God because He cares for you. That's this picture here. It's the shepherd taking the weight of the decisions that that sheep made. And He doesn't make the sheep walk home. The shepherd does it and bears the weight of the sheep on the journey home. That is incredible to me. He's bearing the weight of that sheep's decision. That verse, verse 3 that we read here, where it says that He renews my life. A more literal translation of that actually means He brings me to repentance. Why is that? Because He came after me. And because He chased me down, I want to turn back to Him. Because He came after me, I want to turn back to Him. The shepherd sought me out, therefore I want to repent and turn back to Jesus. We're not left on our own. But friends, we have a God that chases us down and will not let us wander for long. Now, to land the plane, you might be thinking, wait a second. How did we get from quiet waters to a wandering sheep? We don't see much of that here in Psalm 23, 2 and 3, right? Man, I want us to see this. This is so significant. Often when we hear people teach from verses 2 and 3, we talk about the stillness of the waters. And, and traditionally, we would have tied that into last week about laying down in green pastures and the stillness of the waters, the rest that is provided in the presence of the shepherd. That's where contentment's found, is in the shadow of our shepherd. That's what we talked about last week. But so, I don't want to get too technical here because you, you can ask me questions about this later if you want. This verse, he leads me beside quiet waters. That word quiet means this. Let's put this up on the screen. He leads me to refreshing waters. So think about if you've been on a long run. I don't run. Haha, we joke about that. Been on a long run. Come home, you're tired, you're hot, you're sweaty. What do you want? You want a glass of cold water. Why? Because it's refreshing. It cools you off. Provides the satisfaction that you need. Refreshing is typically an adjective to describe the water. Water's a noun. Refreshing is the adjective. It's a descriptive word over water. That's how we typically read this. The waters are peaceful. They're still. They're refreshing. It's the adjective to describe them. It's like the green pastures last week. Here's what's so significant for us, though. In Hebrew, refreshing is not an adjective. We translate it as an adjective. It's not. It's a noun. It's a noun throughout the Old Testament that's used to describe a place where God is present. So when David writes that he provides me or he leads me to refreshing waters, the, the, the literal translation is, is he's leading me to a place of his presence and that's where I find refreshment. It's in his presence is where I'm refreshed. What makes those waters refreshing for the sheep? It's not because they're cold, they're quiet, it's none of that. It's because there's shepherds there. That's it. Because we said in the beginning, they could find water in several places, streams, caverns, dew. It doesn't matter. What makes them refreshing? They're shepherds with them. What would we say in the beginning? I was created to be with Jesus. Meaning, purpose, life, fulfillment, satisfaction. We could put whatever we want in there. How do we find it? Where do we find it? With Jesus. In the presence of Jesus. Friends, if you're like me and you've spent the past 48, 72, seven days maybe 
wandering from Jesus in some capacity. The beautiful thing about our shepherd is, is whenever we turn back to him, we don't journey to where we last left him. We simply turn and he's there. And then he'll take us back to where we last left him. Turn back to Jesus today. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for your kindness in your word, God, that leads us to repentance. And Father, I pray today, Lord, as we've really, God, just slowly been navigating our way through the treasures of your word, the Lord, that that simple truth that we were created to be with Jesus would echo in our hearts today. Father, as we sing, I pray that you incline your ear to heaven to hear our voices, God, that you draw us back to you in repentance today. God, unify us, strengthen us, and draw us close to Jesus. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Friends, let's stand as we sing.